Okay, good afternoon and welcome to the Middle East Forums webinar and podcast series. I'm Alex Ilsky and I will be moderating this discussion today. And our topic is the Holocaust's proper place in Israeli memory with Paul Schneider. What is the proper role of the Holocaust in Israeli life? Some say that peace with the Palestinians requires Jewish Israelis to set aside this memory. Is that right, or rather, should they better understand that traumatic experience? Paul Schneider is a lawyer, writer, and member of the Board of Directors of the American Jewish International Relations Institute, an affiliate of Nebrith International. His work has appeared in the Jerusalem Post, Times of Israel, Algeminer Journal, and Jewish News Syndicate, among other publications. He has a BA from the University of Rochester, an MA from Rutgers University, and a Juris Doctor from Vanderbilt University. Mr. Schneider will be speaking for 15 minutes, then open up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type your question. And with that, I will turn the discussion over to Mr. Schneider. Paul, the stage is yours. Great, thanks very much. Um, can you hear me okay? Yep. Okay, good. Thanks. Um, so I'd like to talk about binationalism, and I'd also like to talk about the role that Holocaust memory plays in how we think about binationalism. Um, right at 20 years ago, the historian Tony Jutt wrote a short opinion piece um, for the New York Review of Books, and he said, the time has come to think the unthinkable. And the unthinkable he was referring to was the end of Israel as a Jewish state. He said Israel is an, an anachronism. Um, it's left over from the era of 19th century nationalism. The peace process is finished. And he said the best thing to do would be to establish a single integrated binational state of Israelis and Palestinians. He agreed that that would be difficult but he said it would cause far less disruption to most Jews and Arabs than its religious and nationalist foes will claim. So as you might expect, the article caused a lot of controversy, but eventually his thesis took hold, at least in academic circles. But the various writers who promoted this idea had a problem, how to get around the past hundred years of hostility between the two peoples. How are you gonna make a binational state work? Some of them hit on the idea of Holocaust transference. They said the problem is the tendency of Israeli Jews to look at Palestinians as what one of them calls proto-Nazis. So the, the gist of what they were saying is that if Israeli Jews could get over the Holocaust or somehow manage to put it behind them, they'd be able to live in peace with their Arab neighbors. So I'd like to look at four examples four recent examples of these writers. The first is um, Avram Berg, the Israeli politician and writer. Uh, a while back, he wrote a book called The Holocaust is Over, We Must Rise from Its Ashes. And the title uh, pretty much says it all. Uh, he argued that Jewish Israelis must, as he put it, free the Arabs from the Nazi role we assign to them. Later in 2019, the uh, political science professor, Ian Lustig, wrote a book called Paradigm Lost, 
And the paradigm he was referring to was the idea of a two-state solution. He said the land between the river and the sea is, um, as he put it, a one-state reality. And that's what we have to deal with now. That's the new normal. Um, that reality, he said, must become what he called a new paradigm for thought and action. And that Jews would have to accept Arabs as political partners. And here's the important part of what he said. He said, for Jews, this is going to require abandoning shrill warnings of Arab threats to Jewish demographic superiority. And by the way, that's similar to what we hear from Omar Barghouti, the founder of the BDS movement. No need to worry about living under an Arab majority. It'll all work out. Uh, Lustig claimed that Jewish Israelis are worried about the demographics of a binational state because, as he put it, the Holocaust as a template for Jewish life contributes to vicious cycles of violence and hatred between Israel and the Palestinians. So again, um, just stop thinking about the Holocaust, give up any notion of Jewish sovereignty, and everything will be fine. Um, the American writer Peter Beinhardt has made a similar um, one-state argument. In Jewish Currents, where he's the um, editor at large, and also in a New York Times op-ed piece, um, he wrote, it's time to abandon the traditional two-state solution and embrace the goal of equal rights for Jews and Palestinians. It's time to imagine a Jewish home that is not a Jewish state. And like the others, Beinhardt says that uh, Israeli Jews um, could abandon Zionism and join in a binational state if it weren't for their collective memory of the Holocaust. Uh, later on, he doubled down on this argument in January of 2021, another essay in Jewish Currents was titled, There is No Right to a State. And again, he argued for a one-state solution, but now he added that um, Jews were never entitled to a state in the first place. That's because, he explained, national self-determination cannot mean the right to your own state. Again, here's the important part. Beinhardt says, a democratic binational Israel-Palestine would be no more bigoted against Jews than a binational Belgium is bigoted against Walloons or a binational Canada is bigoted against Quebecers. I, I would suggest a better comparison closer to home. Uh, take a look at the constant conflicts you have in multi-ethnic states um, in the region. Take a look at Lebanon, take a look at Iraq, take a look at Syria. That's the real model. Uh, a binational Israel-Palestine wouldn't be any different it would just be constant conflict. You know, the fact is that for 100 years, Palestinians have violently opposed Zionist immigration to any part of the region under any terms. They continue to teach their children that Jews have no right to be there. And even now they make it clear they want Arab domination from the river to the sea. That's just not a recipe for fair and equal treatment of a Jewish minority. Uh, finally, there's um, philosophy professor Omri Bohm. Um, he gives us the most recent addition to this binational uh, genre. In 2021, he came out with a book called Haifa Republic, A Democratic Future for Israel. He repeats the mantra that a two-state solution is no longer possible. And he argues that 
true Israeli patriots have to challenge Zionist taboos and must dare to imagine the country's transformation from a Jewish state into a federal binational republic. By the way, the title Haifa Republic uh, comes from his claim that Haifa is a model for what Palestinian and Jewish cohabitation would one day look like. Um, like Lustig and Beinhardt, Bohm makes this puzzling assertion that while Jews have a right to self-determination, um, the idea that self-determination has to include a sovereign Jewish state is, as he puts it, debatable and probably mistaken. Um, uh, Bohm goes on to argue that Zionism, as Herzl conceived it, uh, called for Jewish self-determination in a binational republic, which did not include uh, Jewish sovereignty. That changed, he says, because of two factors. The first was the publication of the Peel Commission report, which recommended partition. And the second, of course, was the Holocaust. So he tries to get around these two factors and get back to Herzl's original idea of a binational state. So he asks, how can memories of the Holocaust and the Nakba serve not as impediments, but as support to a new binational dream? Um, his answer is, as he puts it, the notion of remembering to forget. The two sides have to develop a willingness to forget all that might put, pull them apart. And like the other authors, he says, for Jews, this means an end to Holocaust transference the tendency to think of Palestinians as proto-Nazis. Bohm says that if Israelis can get past the Holocaust, they'll be able to take responsibility for the Nakba, see Palestinians in a more positive light, start to trust them and learn to live with them in a binational state. Like the other authors, uh, he manages to ignore the fact that 100 years of Arab hostility and anti-Semitism might cause Jews to dislike the idea of Arab rule, which a binational state would certainly include. And Bohm makes no suggestion that Palestinians take responsibility for starting a genocidal war of aggression in 1948. Instead, he puts the burden of reconciliation almost entirely on the Jews, insisting that they own up to what he calls Zionist crimes, he ignores the history of the conflict and basically buys into the Palestinian narrative of Nakba victimhood. Well, here's the irony of the Holocaust transference argument. Here's the biggest problem with what these authors are saying. They argue that it's perfectly safe for Jewish Israelis to put aside their Holocaust memory and as part of a search for peace. And anybody who thinks that might not be a good idea is in the grip of paranoid uh, imaginings. Um, and so these authors claim Jewish Israelis would have nothing to fear from living under an Arab majority in a binational state. And here's the irony of that argument. Holocaust memory does indeed um, influence relations between Palestinians and Jewish Israelis. It is certainly a factor, but not in the way these authors imagine. The fact is that Nazi-style anti-Semitism has been prevalent among Palestinian leaders writers and educators for a long time, and it remains prevalent. And any Jewish Israelis who might be concerned about that are not the victims of delusions or baseless fears. Holocaust may be over, but the kind of anti-Semitism that inspired it continues to live on among Israel's Arab neighbors. 
The link between Palestinian officials and Nazi ideology began with the, the Mufti of Jerusalem, Ajamin al-Husseini. He was the leader of the Palestinian national movement during the mandate period. He was a man consumed by anti-Semitism. He traveled to Berlin in 1941, where he met with Hitler and formed an alliance with the Nazis. He then became the leading purveyor of Nazi propaganda to the Arab world. This included a radio broadcast in which he urged his listeners to kill the Jews wherever you find them. He asked the Nazis to help eliminate Jews from the Arab world. Hitler offered his support. Then the plan came close to fruition. If it weren't for the Allied victory at El Alamein, the Einsatz commando would have entered Palestine and liquidated the Jews. And they would have done it with the help of the locals. In fact, Husseini was planning a concentration camp to be located near Nablus. After the war, the Arabs welcomed Husseini as a hero. Uh, Hassan al-Banna, the founder of the Muslim Brotherhood, called the Mufti a hero who challenged an empire and fought Zionism with the help of Hitler in Germany. Germany and Hitler are gone, but Amin al-Husseini will continue the struggle. Husseini's collaboration with the Nazis has had an ongoing impact on Palestinian politics. In fact, Nazi-style anti-Semitism, including the usual Nazi tropes, has continued among Palestinian officials to this day. The Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which was widely used in Nazi propaganda, is still popular with the Palestinian Authority and is often cited in its largest daily newspaper, Al Hayat Al Jadida. Articles in that paper repeatedly show um, PA anti-Semitism. For example, its editor has complained of Shylock-style banks that empty our pockets. Another article says that the PA must protect its people and itself from an enemy which bears its Jewish fangs from the four corners of the earth. And one of its writers accuses Zionists of using Russian Jewish girls with AIDS to spread the disease among Palestinian youth. And in this paper, the PA engages in Holocaust denial. It refers to the, the forged claims of the Zionists. On its official television station, the PA has issued uh, a call to oppose the Zionist media, which dominates more than half of the media in the world. And these are only, these are only a few of the examples. All of this should sound familiar to anyone who's acquainted with Nazi ideology. Um, Contrary to the rosy picture that we get from Beinhardt, this is what Israeli Jews could expect from the leadership of a binational state with an Arab majority. So it's understandable they might not want to live in such a state. There's a valid concern here that you just can't, you just can't wash away by claiming that Jews uh, should just get over the Holocaust. And the situation is not likely to improve. Palestinian students, the future leaders, are being indoctrinated with the same anti-Semitic ideology. A 2017 report by UN Watch shows Palestinian teachers praising Hitler, posting his photo, posting overtly anti-Semitic videos, caricatures, and statements. Third graders are taught that Jews are to be exterminated. Part of this indoctrination takes place in summer camps modeled on the Nazi youth organization. It's understandable that Jewish Israelis might find this troubling. 
To claim that the pursuit of peace requires Jewish Israelis to set aside Holocaust memory. That's just one more example of its misuse. The point is not to get over the Holocaust, but to understand it. And that understanding should include an acknowledgement of the Nazi legacy of anti-Semitic hatred in Palestine that still exists in Palestine. That legacy, not Holocaust memory, is the real obstacle to peace. And I see that my time is pretty much up. So uh, thank you very much. All right, Paul, thank you very much. Very, very interesting, very informative. By the way, I just want to add that the very president of the Palestinian Authority made his doctorate about the denial of Holocaust in the Soviet Union. And so let's please go to the questions. We have a few very interesting questions. So um, the first question of Ken Miller. Mizrahi Jews were not a part of the Holocaust. They had their own massacres and oppression, and this was instigated by multinational Muslims. As the Mizrahi Jews are such a large percent of the Israel population, doesn't this make the Holocaust model a false starter? Yes, it does. That's, that's absolutely correct. And that's, a, that's another big problem with this Holocaust transference argument that these authors have, have, um, have put out. Um, it only applies to uh, to the Ashkenazi portion of the of the um, of the Israeli population. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't speak to the history of the um, of, of the uh, of the Mizrahi Jews, which, as I understand it, uh, make up half the population of uh, of Israel. So yeah, that's a, that's that's an excellent point. It's absolutely it's absolutely correct, and it's one more reason to uh, to uh, to, uh, to reject this theory. Thank you. Um, another question. Shouldn't all Jews put the Holocaust behind them and focus on the current threats to Jews the world over, the radical left and radical Islam? Yeah, certainly that's true. Um, and, and that's, that's that's an important point because the the threats to Jews are coming from are now coming from both um, from both from both the left and the right uh, on the left certainly in the U.S. Uh, you see this on uh, you see this on on college campuses where there's there's tremendous uh, hostility to to Zionist thought and and sometimes uh, people trying to impose uh, collective guilt on Jewish students for for what uh, people view as the the uh, the infractions of of Israel so uh, yeah for sure um, but uh, I, I at the same time I think it's very important to recognize the the persistence of of Nazi style anti-semitism in the uh, in, in the Arab world and today the biggest, the biggest purveyor of this, the biggest promoter of this, is is um, is, is is Egypt. There's uh, a tremendous amount of, of Nazi-style propaganda that comes out of Egypt, and it really it really has um, really seems to have a grip on the Arab world, including the Palestinian world, um, and and it really uh, you know I think that's what stands in the way of 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 peace between the uh, 
between uh, Palestinians and, and Israeli Jews. Um, and, and it's interesting that these authors um, don't, con don't, don't do anything to, to, to recognize or concentrate on that side of it. They say they acknowledge that there's, there's this hostility, but um, it's as if it's as if Palestinians have 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 no agency. They have no they have no part in this, and that's obviously that's that's certainly incorrect. Thank you. A question uh, by David. David, would you please discuss the different Arab attitudes to the Holocaust, from denial to celebration? Well, the. Um, Holocaust denial is uh, well from the beginning. It's taught in the uh, in in the uh, in the Palestinian Authority schools. Actually, it's taught by um, th these schools are uh, schools sponsored by the uh, the UN Relief and Works Agency or UNRWA. Uh, they're UN schools, but they use the curriculum of the host country. In this case, the um, in the, in this case the PA and um, Certainly, Holocaust denial is part of that. Uh, is, is part of that curriculum, and, and I'm sorry. What was the the second part? Uh, celebration. Yeah. From denial to celebration. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is that is an inconsistency. On the one hand, on the one hand, there's Holocaust denial, but on the other hand, there seems to there's this there's this there's this celebration of of, um, of 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 the Holocaust of the attempted extermination, and um, some writers even uh, even say, "Well, uh, good for Hitler, but he didn't go far enough." Um, sure, it's 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 two it's two inconsistent arguments, but but they're both out there. Um, would a split, a question by Larry Watt, would a split state work in Israel? Belgium and Cyprus would argue against it. Um, I assume you mean by that a binational state. Um, I think not because as I said, you really have to, you really have to look at binational states in the region. Um, and and you have to look at the history of of of, of hostility. You know, Beinhart talks about um, uh, English speaking Canadians, French speaking Canadians, and 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 you know they 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 get along, and, and the French speakers don't have to worry about being persecuted. Well, that population doesn't have the history of conflict and hostility that we see in. Um, in 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 Palestine and other areas of the Middle East, um, and and the same with, uh, I, I think the the same with uh, the, the the same with Belgium, and as I said, there I think you know the real the real models to look at are are um, uh, binational uh, Lebanon, how that works out, um, uh, Syria uh, with the. Uh, 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 Alawites and Sunnis. Uh, you can look at you can look at Iraq. Um, to me, those are the binational states that really provide a model 
for what a binational Israel-Palestine um, would look like. Um, it's just uh, a, an, uh, an impossible conflict. Yeah. First of all, I have a few just comments of people who just thank you for excellent uh, presentation. Thank you. Um, uh, long, but I think interesting question. Since Holocaust deniers and Jew haters have always demanded that Jews and Israelis get past our trauma, yet never relinquished their own claims of victimhood and ignored their expulsion of Sephardi Jews and genocidal efforts, perhaps they should first get over their claims of Nagba, acknowledge our 3,000 years of expulsion and genocide, and pay for slave programs, stop teaching their kids to aid us, could we then trust them enough, perhaps start to come back to the table? Yeah, absolutely. Those are those are those are all good points. And um, you know, maybe the biggest part of the problem here is a failure to acknowledge the real history of the of, of the of, of the conflict. Um, the uh, the Palestinian refugee problem was caused because, as I said, um, they began a um, they began basically a, a genocidal war against um, against the Zionists immediately after the UN partition resolution, um, and then uh, after the War of Independence, um, Arab states that had significant Jewish populations that had lived there for hundreds, maybe maybe more of years um, kicked the Jews out, took their property. Um, um, and that's that's never that's never acknowledged. That's never 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 spoken of. And the and the and the number of 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 Mizrahi Jews who were kicked out is it has been estimated approximately eight eight hundred thousand, roughly the same as 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 the number of of Palestinians who um, uh, who fled in the, in the war of 19, 1948. So these are these are important pieces of history that are never mentioned um, on, on on the other side. And, and uh, yeah, definitely, there's a need to uh, a need to come to terms with that. Um, are you aware of the view that the Palestinian people are an invented people? If so, what are your thoughts? A question of J.R. Pride. I, I unfortunately sometimes don't cannot mention the question, the people that ask the question because just not everybody writes his name down. So please, those who write the questions, please mention your name. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I've I, I've I've heard of that argument, and um, I, I I think it stems from the idea that um, prior to. Uh, Prior to the Israeli War of Independence, uh, the, the Palestinians were uh, lived lived under the uh, lived under the, the lived under the, the Ottoman Empire, and they were regarded as um, residents of southern Syria. 
Um, they were just a, an indigenous Arab population um, living in living in, in part of the Ottoman Empire uh, for, se for several hundred years. Um, Palestinian nationalism did did rise up, did start uh, approximately around the same time that um, that Zionist nationalism started. It's a, it's a fairly uh, Palestinian nationalism is a fairly um, uh, fairly recent phenomenon, um, and uh, some Palestinian writers like um, like like Bargudi and like Rashid Khalidi go to great pains to say that you know no there is a Palestinian nationalism. Uh, Palestinians are they are a nation. They are they they are a people. Um, I guess I'm not so sure about that. Um, it's 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 open to debate. Um, I, I think at this point. I just want to uh, to mention a comment that David added. Uh, Re Mizrahi Jews, the Holocaust reached many of them, uh, as uh, Farhud in Iraq and concentration camps in Algeria. By the way, we just learned recently that. Uh, the attempts of uh, killing Jews even reached Ethiopia in Africa. Yeah, yeah, and, and in Israel, by the way, in the in, in Yom Hashoah and the Holocaust Day, uh, for a few years already, more and more discussion is uh, about the uh, North African communities that Holocaust reached them. So definitely, a big yeah. part of the North African. And Mizrahi Jewish world was reached by uh, by um, by uh, the Holocaust and by the Nazis. Yeah. Okay. So I see that our time, uh, unfortunately, uh, have come to uh, we have come to the close of our webinar and podcast. Paul, thank you very much. I think it was very interesting, very informative, and very important, very important topic. So for our viewers, please join us Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern for an update with Ashley Perry. And thank you for all joining us. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you very thank much. Thank you for having me. Thanks very much. Thank you. Goodbye.